It's game week. Tennessee football will be in action on Saturday. Who's going to be out there on the field? Who will be playing what position? I'm going to tell you all that right now on PTF. Press play and turn it up. Producing the Facts podcast is your sports hookup. Eric Kane gives you the latest in Tennessee football and the top stories from around the sports world. Listen as national guests and special co-hosts give you real, hard-hitting analysis on your favorite team. This is PTF on iTunes, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. All right. Round of applause, everybody. It is Tennessee Volunteers football game week. Didn't think we'd get here for quite some time, but hey, we are here and I'm thrilled about it because it's job security for at least a little while longer. I know you're thrilled about it because uh, who doesn't like to sit back and watch those Tennessee Volunteers play on Saturday? I know if you're listening to this podcast, it's uh, kind of a pastime for you. So a lot of questions. This is a year like any other. I'm going to try to answer some of these questions here as we move forward today about who will play where and whatnot. This is going to be more focused on a Tennessee perspective than really previewing South Carolina. I do want to encourage you. I have a uh, my Twitter and my Facebook page, both my personal and my radio page, at Kaner on air, at Eric Kane, and at K- underscore Kaner on Twitter. I tweeted out this morning that if you have any questions uh, that you want to send in uh, regarding you know anything I'll talk about today, Tennessee-related, South Carolina, college football, whatever it is, send in some questions. I'm going to write a, a mailbag article later in the week and post it on our website here at the station. So any questions you have that uh, I might not answer here on this podcast, specifically about South Carolina, uh, tweet me, Facebook me, DM me, whatever. Give me your questions. Uh, sometime around Friday, I'm going to release a mailbag article on our website at 991thesportsanimal.com. How you get those questions to me again, tweet me, DM me, or Facebook me. Uh, find me on all those platforms. Eric Kane at underscore Kaner on Twitter. Uh, so happy to be here for a PTF podcast, producing the Facts podcast. Got a big show coming up here today. It's game week, so I'm going to pretty much go down each position group, uh, tell you who's in the running to get some playing time, who's missed some practice, uh, to the best of my knowledge. Now, again, it's uh, it's a season like none other. We have not been allowed to be on campus and to watch practice with our own eyes physically. We've not be uh, we're, we're, we haven't been allowed to be in the room for press conferences. We have gotten a, a couple more media availabilities than we normally would because of the lack of access. So um, just going off some things that I've heard, um, some things that have been said by Jeremy Pruitt, players and other assistant coaches, and uh, really just kind of going off some of my sources on why uh, I believe uh, the people I say will be uh, seeing the, the most amount of snaps and where that might be. So going to go down position group by position group bri- uh, you know, briefly, quickly, um, and uh, I'm going to uh, just kind of answer some of those some of those thoughts that we all have right now. Also coming up here in just a couple of minutes, Ben McKee, uh, Rocky Top Insider, the Swain events, caught up with Ben, my good buddy on the beat, and uh, ask him some questions about a couple of these position groups. And uh, it was a pre-recorded interview, recorded that Monday around uh, noon. And so uh, looking forward to catching up with Ben here in just a second. But again, round of applause, guys. We made it to game week. I uh, didn't think we'd actually get here for quite some time. Um, but uh, we saw college football going on for about four weekends now to some capacity. We saw the ACC and the Big 12 come back a couple weekends ago. We've seen two weekends of that. And now we're finally going to get to see the SEC, the Big uh, the Big 10, announce its comeback. Boy, was that uh, was that embarrassing for Kevin Warren. Read the room, dude. You're uh, 
if anything is evident, the Big Ten is not who they think they are anymore because the Big Ten thought that it could lead the charge and do whatever it wanted to, and it could set the precedent. And uh, the, SEC, the SEC, ACC, and Big 12 were like, no, I think we're good. We're going to at least give this a shot. We're going to at least give this a try. And uh, the Big Ten has its foot in its mouth and now coming back. But at least we're going to get to see Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, a lot of those other teams, uh, Nebraska, Wisconsin, a lot of those other teams in the Big Ten uh, get in action. That'll be on October 24th. Not a lot of wiggle room there. Eight weeks, eight games to get in in those eight weeks, plus a conference championship the day before Selection Sunday for the college football playoff. Um, so it really kind of backed itself into a corner. We can all have opinions on that. I think you guys know my opinions on that. I think it's really embarrassing, and Kevin Warren should be fired, but that's just me. Uh, Kevin Warren is the commissioner of the Big Ten. But nonetheless, Big Ten football is coming back, so gradually we're kind of getting there. I know the MAC is going to decide uh, here in the next couple of days that they want to try to play an abbreviated schedule, and if so, we'll get some action, midweek action, and uh, that's that's always a good thing about football, and so I'm super excited about that. So football's coming back. NFL's two weeks in. High school football. Uh, I do hurt for some of these uh, teams in the area here in Knox County that uh, are having to give up games, losing some games because of contact tracing and COVID uh, outbreaks. You're seeing a couple of teams being affected by that, and it really sucks. And uh, my heart breaks for those kids. But overall, um, you know, every team's kind of been in action now. We're through week. We're through half the season. We're through week five. And I couldn't be more excited about that. So uh, it's pretty, it's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty awesome right now having football back. And uh, of course, my Atlanta Braves are about to be postseason bound. Magic number as I record this right now is at three. Another win tonight on Tuesday night, and uh, that magic number will be down to one. So super excited about that to get in the postseason. Just got to find a pitcher that can throw, you know, five innings or so and not give up ten runs. That'd be nice. But. Uh, we got baseball nearing the postseason. The NBA is in the uh, conference finals right now. Stanley Cup finals are well underway. So we're there, man. Uh, we spent a couple of months being without anything, and here we are. You know, U.S. Open just wrapped up. Bryson DeChambeau, the only player to record an under-par score, six under, at the U.S. Open. A lot of people had some comments about how he's bulking up, and that's not going to be good for him. It's not going to work. Well, he got the last laugh, so... Uh, sports are back. Couldn't be more excited and, uh, you know, uh, really, really just happy to be here. So with that being said, let's go ahead and get this podcast underway. I'm going to start off with uh, Ben McKee here first. And uh, again, it's my good buddy, Ben McKee, Rocky Top Insider, Swain Events. And uh, here's what Ben had to say uh, about a little bit of the Tennessee football team with camp. And uh, we kind of go back and forth and conversate a little bit. Here's my good buddy, Ben McKee. <laughs> All right, my good buddy, Ben McKee, a Rocky Top Insider, as well as a Swain event, a competitor in the morning, uh, but a friend outside of 10 a.m. every single day. <laughs> Glad to have him aboard. And uh, I'm just messing, man. You're always my friend. Um, want to get his <laughs> thoughts on uh, Tennessee Week 1 opponent, South Carolina, and just some of the uh, the big news coming out of uh, fall camp so far. So, uh, Ben, what's going on, dude? Not a whole lot. Just uh, running on Three million cups of coffee already. It is the the Monday of Week One of football season. I know uh, fall camp is a grind, but in season it is truly a grind. At least during fall camp, you have some some off days. You, you don't have any off days during uh, during football season. Saturday's a a big work day, obviously, and then Sunday you're reacting to the game. Monday reacting to the game, and then maybe a Friday evening you get off. But I know you 
you got to go over and do high school football Thursday and Friday evening. So I'm making it. It's game week. I'm pumped that, that it is game week. And although you are a competitor in the morning, I'm, I'm glad to be, be, be on this podcast with you. No, I'm kidding. You and I joke about that all the time. It's funny. I think everybody just, uh, just assumes that, that all of us competitors just hate each other and just can't stand each other. But that's, it is the case in some situations, but for me and you, I mean, you're, you're my guy. Happy to help anytime. On the beat, you spend time. I mean, for those of us that actually go and cover practice and are at press conferences and stuff, I know this year's a little different via Zoom, but you're around those guys literally five days of the week uh, during season. So if you, if you hate the guys that, I mean, there's some guys on the beat that I'm not the most fond of, but I mean, you're around them every single day. So if you, if you have a bad attitude, then it's, it's not going to get you anywhere. But um, I was going to say, keep the, keep the coffee coming, man. But at least in, in game season or in, uh, in, in season during the week, we, we have a set schedule. And, you know, camp was so frustrating because of just everything going on. But, uh, you know, hopefully during season we'll have a set schedule and, and that's something to look forward to. But here we are. It is, it is uh, you know, game week, week one, South Carolina. Um, you're, you know, outside of COVID, who might play, who won't play, because apparently right now – uh, the numbers are looking pretty good compared to what they have been in recent weeks. Jeremy Pruitt said from a COVID standpoint on Thursday that the two deep, everyone would be available, which is a good sign. I know Tennessee tested yesterday. They're going to test uh, at least uh, two more times uh, this week before the game uh, you know, happens. But outside of COVID, kind of what's your biggest storyline heading? Outside of COVID and Cade Mays, uh, what's kind of your biggest storyline heading into week one? Uh, Mike Bobo offense, Will Muschamp defense, and uh, in Columbia, South Carolina. To me, the biggest storyline still ties in to to COVID. Uh, I just think that's the reality of the situation that we're in here in 2020. Um, but it, to me, it's the, the lack of physicality uh, along the defensive line that Jeremy Pruitt talked about earlier in camp. And, it, and it's not really Tennessee's fault going into to week one against South Carolina in, in the sense of I don't know how you establish physicality during fall camp in which you're going to have numerous players playing their first game, having not tackled or, or blocked anybody in a live scrimmage. To me, quite frankly, that's a, that's a recipe for disaster. And you heard Jeremy Pruitt talk about that on Monday during his press conference saying that you can't win in the SEC if, if you aren't physical. And to me, that, that is a big concern. And to me, the biggest storyline outside of Cade Mays and um, who will be available due to COVID going into the South Carolina game because South Carolina, I do think Tennessee is more talented than, than South Carolina from top to bottom, but we know a Will Muschamp team, coached team, is going to be physical. And their offensive line doesn't have the talent of a Cade Mays or a Trey Smith or a Wanya Morris or a Darnell Wright or a Brandon Kennedy, uh, but they are physical and they have played a lot of football in this league and Pruitt's comments two weeks ago uh, about the, the lack of physicality defensively were, were very concerning. And then he says on Monday that they're still not where they need to be, that they have the potential, but they need to develop a, a mindset and continue to work there. That That is a, a big concern. And the storyline I'm watching the, the most going into this weekend's game, because I, I think that is truly going to determine whether Tennessee wins or loses. Um, because, again, Tennessee has more talent, but if, if it's unable to, to, to 
get after the quarterback and stop the run, they're not going to win regardless of how good their offensive line is. The the defensive front really needs to step up. And to me, outside of Cade Mays, Jared Garantano, obviously, and then COVID, that, that's the storyline I'm watching. Yeah, according to Jeremy Pruitt, I mean, his, his defense is never, you know, his team is never going to be, uh, you know, where he wants them to be because there's always room for improvement. But to your point, he did mention a couple of weeks ago about how the physicality of the defensive front, really the front seven has just been – not good and not great. And, and again, when you have guys in and out and quarantining for 10 to 14 days and, and whatnot, it's hard to get that rhythm. So I'm with you there. I think that um, just from a sheer sloppiness, laziness, well, I don't want to say laziness, but um, it, it's, it's going to be ugly. Um, and we've seen kind of some of that in college football and, and quite frankly, a little bit of that in the NFL too, even though it's completely different from how college football is run right now. So I'll be, uh, I'll be looking at that as well. Let's get to Cade Mays real quick. Of course, um, as of Monday, still awaiting word from the SEC on if he's cleared. Got one that appeal from uh, the NCAA. Uh, but Cade Mays, if he is eligible, you look at this offensive line and, you know, Ben, we talked about K-Ron Calvert and Darnell Wright kind of, you know, duking it out at right tackle. K-Ron Calvert's missed a lot of time in camp. Been one of the guys that unfortunately has not been able to practice a lot. Uh, Darnell Wright, if, you know, come Saturday, the coaches don't feel comfortable with him at right tackle, you know, series one. Cade Mays is going to play right tackle if he's eligible. Uh, that means Jerome Carvin will slot in a right guard. Jameer Johnson's already going to start at left tackle most likely. I mean, Wanya Morris has missed, you know, practiced twice in 23 days, you know, up until last Thursday. So um, that offensive line could look a little bit different, I guess, where I'm going at. It's going to look a little bit different on Saturday. But the, the goal for the coaching staff, again, is to have the line left to right read Morris, Smith, Kennedy, Mays, and right. But it might just take a little bit – uh, longer to get to that point this year due to uh, COVID and, and guys been missing practice and whatnot. Yeah, and that is the the end goal for Tennessee's offensive line. Mm-hmm. But in the process of getting there, that offensive line is still going to be very good because yeah. this offensive line is eight, nine, ten deep. Uh, you, you talk about Wanye Morris. Uh, he probably will be the backup left tackle and not really anything of his fault, but just a simple fact that he missed 23 days of, of fall camp. And I think he'll still play, too, because if yes. Jameer Johnson goes out, he'll have a short leash. But, yes. again, we, we do think it'll be Jameer Johnson start things out. Yes, and, and Jameer has had a really strong fall camp. Uh, he, he would have pushed for the starting job, even had Wanye been practicing out there. He's well over 300 pounds, finally. He has a good mindset. He was too emotional last year. When, when he wasn't playing, which is understandable. Uh, but he's a guy that is that has a good attitude right now, and, and he's performing very well. So uh, even though it's not Wanye, I think some people will, will, will raise their eyebrow at that. But I think Tennessee's going to be okay. And then obviously you have Trey Smith and Brandon Kennedy, left guard, center, probably the best left guard, center combination in the SEC. And then on the right side of the offensive line, they have plenty of options. There, there's a small possibility. Uh, that Cade Mays could play left tackle if they needed him to, but he'll he'll definitely more than likely slide in to to one of those spots along the right side of the offensive line. But uh, and, and you have a couple of unfortunate situations there, uh, like Riley Locklear is banged up. We'll see if he can play. Uh, you mentioned Karon Calbert has not played a ton due to quarantine and COVID stupid stuff, um, but. <laughs> When all those guys are healthy, you have Cade Mays, Jerome Carvin, Karon Calvert, Riley Locklear, and Darnell Wright. 
I mean, that's what, five guys I just mentioned to, to fill two spots. So yeah. you have plenty of options there. If Cade Mays isn't eligible, if Calvert doesn't play, if Locklear doesn't play, you still have Jerome Carvin and you still have Darnell Wright, two guys and, who have had really good camps. Yeah, and I was going to say, too, this is not ideal, but I heard a lot of great things about Javante Spragans yep. and James Robinson who have benefited from all these guys being out. So good for them. It's unfortunate for – you know, the guys who had to miss time. But that's what you want to see is you want to see these freshmen come in and really benefit and take uh, every snap and every opportunity they can. And, yeah. and you know, for Jamonte Spragans, at least, he's, he's repped a lot with the ones and twos the last couple of weeks. And and so that's good. Plus, you still have Chris Ogprogane, who the coaches liked a lot last year. Um, so to your point, there are a lot of options. And, and you know, getting to that starting five that the coaches envision um, might take a little while. And you might not ever get there, quite frankly, due to just the nature of this season. But I do believe Tennessee's unit still will be uh, one of the better ones. We'll shift gears real quick. Got a, just two more questions for you. Let's go tight end. Uh, Monday morning's press conference, Monday afternoon's press conference, noon, whatever. <laughs> Jeremy Pruitt said that uh, they're repping one to two guys at the tight end, or they're repping three to four guys at the tight end position. One or two of those guys will play on Saturday, but it's still a position that is being evaluated, and, and that's expected. Austin Pope's still recovering from back surgery. Not going to be ready to go on Saturday. Priston Fan's going to be your starter. But outside of that, you'll have Sean Brown. You'll have Jacob Warren. You'll have um, Jordan Allen. Uh, no more Jackson Lowe. He's in the transfer portal as of now. Uh, what do you look at? What do you like? What are you hearing about that tight end position? And uh, I'll take it a step further. I expect Tennessee to go jumbo a little bit. And even if they don't go to jumbo, you know, just put a put a backup offensive lineman over there at, at tight end on running situations. I think Cooper Mays, who has missed some time during camp for quarantine as well, coming off an injury, but the athleticism of Cooper Mays, the freshman, younger brother of Cade Mays, I think is a guy that we're going to see play some tight end this year. Yeah, I, I don't have great expectations for the tight end room. I, I think it's going to be one of the worst in the SEC, quite frankly. Well, tell us how you feel, um, Ben. <laughs> I mean, I'm just look, I'm, I'm being <laughs> honest. I, I'd love to see Princeton Fant. Uh, take a big step forward. I'd love to see Jacob Warren take a big step forward, uh, as well as Sean Brown and Jordan Allen. But there, there hasn't been any signs of confidence. There, there hasn't. There, there have been signs of confidence elsewhere on the team about guys stepping up during fall camp. Um, the defensive line has has struggled throughout fall camp, like we talked about earlier. But you still heard rumblings about Latrell Bumpus and, and Matthew Butler taking the next step. You've heard about Kavars Crouch taking the next step. You've heard about guys in the secondary, a Kenneth George Jr. Uh, having a really good fall camp. You look on the offensive side of the ball, Jameer Johnson, um, a lot of promise this season because of how he performed during fall camp at running back. Uh, you've heard Ty Chandler and Eric Gray take a step forward. I know nobody wants to talk about it because of the, the name and the name on the back of the jersey and the, the number on the back of the jersey, but Jarrett Garantano has had a really nice fall camp you heard nothing about the tight end position in terms of guys taking a step forward. I think I've asked like three noise. questions during exactly. camp. And that might be the only time outside of t uh, on Monday yeah. that there yeah. was a question asked. Yeah, there, there's just not a lot of reason for confidence in the tight end room right now. I, I like Princeton Fant. I think he can be a solid football player. He's definitely athletic enough to do so, but he has to, has to stay, stay healthy uh, and, and he has to prove that he can be consistent. Um, Jacob Warren, he's a nice pass catcher, uh, and we'll we'll see how he can hold up in the running game as a as a blocker. He seems to have put weight on Jordan Allen. Uh, quite honestly, I don't have a 
a ton of confidence in, in him making the switch from defensive line to tight end. He's also been banged up during fall camp. Uh, so that probably did not help him in, in regards to getting on the field early. So uh, it, it's a position that is of, of grave concern to me. But the good thing about the tight end position is that you don't need a tight end, a dynamic tight end to be successful. It's more like the, the, the cherry on top of a Sunday. It's, it's just nice to have. The bigger loss in terms of tight end is going to be in the running game. That's where you're really yeah. going to miss Austin Pope. And I agree with you. I think that's why you'll see Cooper Mays uh, enter at tight end in some jumbo packages, especially since this is a free year of eligibility yeah. and he can play in every single game this year and he'll still be a true freshman with a red shirt in hand next year. Yeah, uh, he, he, I mean, this is a guy that's probably going to be the Tennessee starting center when Brandon Kennedy departs. And so getting him some live looks, some game action, that, that's, uh, that's going to be key. And I think he'll be able to help. I want to ask you about so many other things, but just because of timing, I'm not going to be able to. We're going to talk later in the week, though, on your podcast, and I look forward to that. Looking at South Carolina, Ben McKee here, Swain Event, Rocky Top Insider. Um, Colin Hill getting the nod for Mike Bobo's offense over at South Carolina. Mike Bobo coming from Colorado State. Colin Hill coming from Colorado State. Um, he's a graduate student uh, coming off his third ACL tear, but it seems like Bobo just wants someone that's familiar with the system so Ryan Helensky, unfortunately, right now is getting uh, the boot here. I expect us to still see Ryan Helensky. I think Ryan Helensky is a, a fine football player. I mean, they they asked so much of him last year as a true freshman. It's a little unfair in my opinion. But for game one against the Volunteers, it'll be Colin Hill under center. What do you know about Colin Hill? What do you expect for Tennessee as you continue to kind of look at South Carolina as the week progresses? I know he's torn his ACL three times, and he's rehabbing from – a third torn ACL that ended his season three games in last year. Been a pretty good football player when he's been able to to stay healthy, but he has not stayed healthy, obviously, as, as I just mentioned. Would not have participated in spring practice uh, as he rehabbed that knee, but I think it's the, the smart choice, not the sexy choice. I think everybody, including us, expected to see Ryan Helensky, uh, even South Carolina fans, just kind of gauging their fan base on, on social media. Colin Hill was a surprise winner. But when you dig a little deeper and realize that Ryan Helensky was sporadic with his decision-making last year, uh, he's young. It's a new offensive system under Mike Bobo. It makes sense why Colin Hill is starting uh, game number one for South Carolina. He, he knows what to expect. He's going to make good decisions. He's going to get the ball out on time. Uh, and, and he truly has a firm grasp of the offense. So not the sexy uh, winner of the quarterback position there at South Carolina, but uh, it makes sense when you kind of uh, dive down deep. Now, the big problem for Colin Hill is that he doesn't have a, a ton of weapons at his disposal. South Carolina has Shai Smith, uh, a very talented wide receiver. But after that, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of inexperience, a lot of guys that need to step up. Looks like they may be relying on some true freshmen at that position as well. Uh, again, their offensive line, not the most talented guys, but experienced and physical. Uh, I'll, I'll take that, quite frankly, even if they do lack a little bit of talent. Uh, tight end, Nick Muse, uh, he, he's going to be a legit target for him as well, along with Shai Smith. And then uh, the, the big news out of South Carolina fall camp was Marshawn Lloyd tearing his ACL. He was yeah. a guy that, even as a freshman, had Marcus Lattimore-type potential. And under Will Muschamp, South Carolina has year after year struggled to run the football that's something that needs to be corrected. We'll see if they'll be able to, be able to do that, even with Marshawn Lloyd having torn his ACL uh, as the presumed starter during fall camp. 
All right, Ben, I know it's uh, as we record this interview, it's Monday afternoon, and so a lot can change between now and Saturday. Uh, I get all that. But right now, with what we know, give me a score prediction just real quick for Tennessee, South Carolina. I mean, again, this is as of right now, this is with no Cade Mays. A uh, score prediction for Tennessee, South Carolina. Ooh, um, I think Tennessee wins. I think it'll be a close, ugly, sloppy, in-the-mud type of football game. Yep. Uh, both teams have concerns. The the lack of physicality along the, the defensive line for Tennessee scares me from a Tennessee perspective, but I still think that Tennessee is better and more talented from, from top to bottom. And although they lack physicality along the defensive line, I think Henry Toe Toe and Kovarz Crouch will be able to make up for some of those um, mistakes, as well as Bryce Thompson and Alante Taylor as well. And I, I expect Tennessee to, to have tremendous success running the football uh, and, and Jarrett Garantano to stay within himself and uh, not turn the football over and, and provide Tennessee a chance to win. So uh, I think Tennessee will win a, a close, ugly football game, maybe something along the lines of a 24-21, 28-27, somewhere in that ballpark. Carbon copy, brother. That's what I was going to say. Literally just about <laughs> everything you said. So uh, that's why you and I think alike. We're, we're boys. Ben McKee, he's at Ben McKee 14 on Twitter, co-host and producer of the Swain Events, managing editor of Rocky Top Insider, and uh, he's a good dude. So if you don't follow him, I'm sure you do. He's got like 17,000 followers. But uh, if you don't follow him, give him a follow. That's Ben McKee. Appreciate it, dude. Always. You know, like I said there, if you guys don't know, if you guys aren't familiar with Ben McKee, you need to follow his work. He does a fantastic job. He took over as managing editor for Rocky Top Insider about a month ago and has done just great work, really done great work. He's been pushing out content like crazy. He's got more Twitter followers than I do, which is kind of a bummer. I'm a little upset about it, but uh, he's a good dude, so I'll let it slide. But Ben McKee does a great job, and uh, he also uh, is a co-host producer of the Swain Events Mornings here in Knoxville. Uh, so he does a really, really awesome job. So if you're unfamiliar with Ben McKee, hopefully you liked what you heard there and you'll you'll give uh, him a follow and follow his work. All right, so we touched on it a little bit with Ben, but uh, going to continue to kind of work through uh, this, uh, this position groups and kind of give you a lay of the land of the depth chart, what I think and who uh, will be out there when we, uh, when we you know, head on over to South Carolina, 7.30 on Saturday. All right, let's go ahead and start with the quarterback position. No surprise, it's Jerry Garantano. Reports are out of camp. From what I've been hearing, he's uh, not been perfect, but he's had a solid camp. He's done a nice job. And so it's Jerry Garantano uh, first and foremost. If you like it, uh, that's good. If you don't, well, you're stuck with it. Uh, really, Harrison Bailey never really got an opportunity. He missed spring practice, or everyone missed spring practice. He missed the first week and a half of fall camp because he was in quarantine. Brian Maurer has uh, been hanged up by a hamstring injury a little bit. And Jeremy Pruitt wouldn't say who the backup quarterback was yesterday when, we, when he met with the media, but we all know it's going to be JT Shroud if it comes down to it and a second quarterback is needed on Saturday. The belief is it's going to be JT Shroud because of the beforehand mention, what I said about Harrison Bailey missing practice time, just not quite ready there yet as a true freshman, and Brian Maurer being kind of hampered, but also because JT Shroud has had an impressive camp. The talk is that he's been the most improved player uh, during fall camp and, you know, dating back to last football season. So um, he's probably earned that backup spot, and that's probably who's going to be the backup heading into South Carolina. Things can change. Things will change. Trust me. Harrison Bailey will get up there sooner or later. Brian Maurer is going to have something to say about that. Trust me, things will change. But for game one, JT Shroud's going to be your backup quarterback. Jim Chaney, offensive coordinator, met with the uh, quarterbacks club, the Knoxville quarterbacks club yesterday on Monday 
And here's what Jim Chaney had to say about J.T. Shrout. He's seeing the field better than he did last year. I really believe that. He has more of command over the offense. I think he's playing with a lot more confidence. And confidence is everything. You know, is if you ask me one thing as we approach this ball game that, that you got to get instilled in these kids is a complete confidence and a lockdown mentality that everything now has got to go. It's got to go. You know, you can't be having any of the, the ifs or the quarrels or any of that stuff going on right now. You've got to lock in right now. And I feel like JT's got a good swag about him. He's feeling confident. And there's certain things I like JT when he's out there playing that I'll call for him because I think he can do it real good. So that, that's kind of where it is. But I think his development is just familiarity. And I'll say it over and over again. It's familiarity, familiarity, familiarity. They understand what a play is. And I don't make light of that, but they really do. Now they're learning the nuances. Familiarity, familiarity, familiarity. And that's something that all the quarterbacks, except for Harrison Bailey, who wasn't here last year, are going to benefit for the first time in their careers. Yes, Jerry Garantano is a fifth-year senior. But this will be the first time he's had the same playbook back-to-back years. Uh, the same offensive coordinator, the same quarterbacks coach, back-to-back years. And that's where a lot of that confidence is coming from, from J.T. Shrout, that swag that Jim Chaney talked about, and for Jerry Garantano as well. So you look for some consistency there in the quarterback position group, and you hope that Jerry Garantano can take that step. But uh, that's what Jim Chaney had to say about J.T. Shrout, who, again, I believe will be the backup quarterback come Saturday against South Carolina. Boy, oh boy, let's hear from Jim Chaney again. The running back room. The running back room. This is what Jim Chaney had to say on Ty Chandler, Eric Gray. Again, this is at the Knoxville Quarterback Club yesterday. And boy, Jim Chaney, he sure is a treasure. The running back spot, you're going to, you know, you're going to see Ty and Eric out there all the time. If they're off the field, uh, I either had a heart attack or something's happened. I don't know. But <laughs> at the end of the day, they're going to be on the field playing a lot. He's saying that because it's the only two, they're the only two guys returning that have any experience. Uh, it was made aware yesterday by Jeremy Pruitt in his press conference that Carlin Phils and me graduated over the summer, and he is not with the team this fall. He is not playing this fall. He could be back in January. He said that he's a good kid, love to have him. He's done everything that uh, they've asked him to do, but uh, they have yet to decide the status and the future, really, of Carlin Phils and me. Don't really know why he's not playing this year. That was not discussed, but Carlin Phils and me really weren't going to play a big role in the backfield regardless, okay? Um, but there's no experience. Tim Jordan is, or there's no experience behind Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. Uh, Tim Jordan's gone. He was dismissed from the football team earlier this summer. Um, you have T. Hodge, a local product here uh, out of uh, out of the Maryville area. He's had a strong camp, but uh, he was been hampered a little bit by by a calf injury. Uh, Jabari Small has been a really really bright spot for Tennessee in terms of the running back position. He's a freshman, a smaller guy, about five foot ten about 185, 190 out of Whitehaven, excuse me, out of uh, the Memphis area, Innsworth, I believe. No, not Innsworth. Out of the Memphis area, excuse me, all those Memphis schools run together for me. He's not a part of the Whitehaven trio, but uh, <laughs> he and Amari Thomas come from a school, in, I believe it's Briarcrest, <laughs> come from a school in the Memphis area. And uh, to me, I didn't think Jabari Small was really going to play a factor for Tennessee this year. Of course, this is especially when Tim Jordan was in the fold, but um Jabari Small has proven uh, from what I've heard and from what's been said coming out of camp that he's a lot stronger than he looks. He runs really hard. He'll play a factor in the return game and, uh, and you know, at running back. And so that that's good. Uh, that's good. So uh, you've got those guys behind Eric Gray and, and Ty Chandler, T. Hodge and Jabari Small. And then you have another guy, and he's kind of a wild card, another freshman D. Beckwith. Played a little wide receiver, played a little quarterback in high school uh, from Florence, Alabama. D. Beckwith started at wide receiver during camp. 
transition a little bit to tight end midway through camp, and now the last little bit of camp, uh, he's been practicing at running back. He's a bigger body, about six foot three, two twenty five. He's a tall guy, and uh, he's just they're just trying to add some more depth, trying to have guys ready. And again, this is going to be a theme all year long. Depth is going to be more important this year than ever. And uh, don't hear me wrong, depth is always important in a football game, always important. But depth this year is going to be even more important because you might have guys that will be unavailable uh, due to COVID or due to contact tracing each and every week. They might play this week, won't play for two more weeks. You just don't know. And and mind you, too, Jeremy Pruitt did point out yesterday in his press conference that he's not going to be releasing a number of players that will be out due to COVID or contact tracing each week because he doesn't believe it's fair to the players who will be playing, and he believes it will give them a competitive disadvantage to essentially let the competition know. And I get that. I really do. But from a media guy, from a guy that covers the team every single day, a little frustrating because, uh, again, we all have our insiders, but it's tough. I mean, it's, it's really, really tough when you're not allowed to be at practice to kind of see for yourself. And so challenging year, all aspects. People don't really care about the media. That's fine. But, hey, just remember, we all have a job to do as well. We all have to make our money just like you do. Um, and when you can't do your job, to the best of your abilities, well, um, you get replaced, just like a football player might get replaced on the football field. So it's a little frustrating. But Jeremy Pruitt did say that yesterday, and I get it. I totally understand. Um, But, again, that kind of goes back to being depth. you got to have depth. And so Dee Beckwith is a guy that has been plugged into the running back room the last week or so of camp, week, two weeks of camp. Tennessee needs a bigger body guy. On the roster, says T. Hodge is uh, six-foot one, 235 pounds. He's not. He's about 215. Lenneth Whitehead is another guy that is a freshman that came in, and he's a bigger body as well, bigger body guy, about six foot one, 230 on the roster. I think he's a little bit smaller, but uh, he'll be unavailable for the, at least the first couple weeks of the season as he's dealing with a pre-existing foot injury. But Tennessee just needs depth and needs a bigger body. And so uh, D. Beckwith is a guy that can kind of play all over. And so he's been getting some run at the running back room, <laughs> no pun intended, and uh, we'll have to see if he ever plays it. Remember, Aaron Beasley practiced at running back a little bit last year as well. Never sniffed the field. But uh, we'll just have to see if D-Beck will ever transitions to a full-time running back. But right now, he's there in terms of depth. So that's kind of what the running back room looks like right now with Eric and Ty Chandler, Eric Gray, Ty Chandler. Talked about it this morning on the starting lineup, and I'm, I'm going long-winded here, and I can't keep this pace up through every position on the field. I get that. In my opinion, Eric Gray and Ty Chandler, the first couple of weeks of the season, they're going to make it a point to try to get the touches 50-50 um, in terms of the, it's, it's a 1A, a 1B starter type situation. Eric Gray might be out there for snap one of the season simply because he might have had, he finished off, you know, last year stronger than Ty Chandler. But Ty Chandler's been at every single practice. Eric Gray's missed some time in practice uh, during fall camp. Whatever it may be, they're on the same level right now. Uh, Eric Gray might get more carries where Ty Chandler might get more uh, targets through the air or vice versa, whatever it is. I think that they're going to try to uh, get the touches about even between those two. And I think you'll see those two on the field at the same time quite a bit this year as well. But until one of those two guys steps up and says, hey, I am the guy, I think they're going to be playing or, you know, whichever one has the hot hand. Tennessee plays the hot hand so much at the running back position and has for the last couple of years. Ty Chandler against BYU, Tim Jordan against Alabama. Eric Gray against Vanderbilt. You see my my point here. Whoever has the hot hand is whoever's going to play the most and get the most carries in the game. And so don't be surprised if one of those guys ends up with four carries, the other one ends up with 13, because the guy who had 13 had the hotter hand. But point being, they're on the same playing field right now. But after that, 
a lot of unknowns. And so that's kind of the running back room right now. Wide receiver, the most inexperienced position on the football field for Tennessee. I actually feel kind of good about the wide receiver position. Now they're they're unproven, but they're going to get there, okay? Your starting three is going to be Josh Palmer on one side, Cedric Tillman on the other side, who's had a strong camp, and then probably Valus Jones Jr. in the slot. Okay, that's probably your starting three. And again, they're all interchangeable. All these guys are going to play, including, you know, five of the freshmen. Jimmy Holiday, Jimmy Holloway, Malachi Weidman, Deep Beckwith, and Jalen Hyatt. So that's your starting three. Uh, your, your, your next three that will probably rotate in would probably be Brandon Johnson, Romel Keaton, and Jalen Hyatt, one of those freshmen. And then you know, you'll see some other ones there as well. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of options for Tennessee at the wide receiver group. And and, and that that freshman class, if they're going to play, especially in a year where there's you know eligibilities out the window. Uh, Jim Chaney's talked about it. T, uh, T. Martin's talked about it. Jeremy Pruitt's talked about it. Uh, Jim Chaney's talked about it at, at length, about how it's a talented freshman class at wide receiver speed. Jalen Hyatt is a vertical threat. Um Jimmy Calloway and Jimmy Holliday are very, very fast. Jim Chaney talked about that a lot at the uh, Knoxville Quarterback Club. So they're going to, little by little, as they learn more of the offense and they get more and more on each other's plate every single week, the more and more you're going to see these freshman wide receivers. But I will say, Jalen Hyatt's probably the first one you'll see. Jalen Hyatt's probably going to play a big factor on this Tennessee offense this year because Tennessee needs receivers to step up and be consistent. But first three on Saturday, most likely unless something's changed from last I heard, Josh Palmer... Cedric Tillman, who I think is going to have a big year, Cedric Tillman, and Bayless Jones Jr., that's one, two, three. The next three, Ramel Keaton, Brandon Johnson, Jalen Hyatt. And so, but again, you're going to see a lot of people rotating into the wide receiver position. Jeremy Pruitt said yesterday uh, during his press conference of the tight end position, again, remind you, Thursday, Jeremy Pruitt said that Austin Pope is not going to play right now. Again, he is recovering from back surgery that happened in July. It uh, surprised everybody when Jeremy Pruitt said that he was at practice and he was progressing very, very well the first week of camp, uh, but just not quite ready to play right now. But uh, Austin Pope's going to be out against uh, South Carolina. And again, kind of like the receiver room, kind of like the running back room, a lot of inexperience outside of your starter. So much inexperience. In fact, really hardly any experience. Um, so... Austin Pope is out, but Priston Fant, who's seen just a smidge of playing time, he's going to be your starter on Saturday. All right? Um, he's probably going to lead the way, and then after that, you're probably looking at a combination of of Jacob Warren, a local product here from Farragut, Tennessee, Sean Brown, and, um, Jay, and uh, Jordan Allen. None of those guys have ever accounted for a snap on the field on offense, and so it's going to be – going to be a lot of unknowns and Jim Chaney loves to play two dot two tight end sets he even again mentioned that yesterday during his appearance he loves to play two tight ends at one time so Tennessee's trying to figure out who those who those tight ends are Jeremy Pruitt said that there's probably going to be one or two of those tight ends that'll play Saturday but that position is still being evaluated there's three or four guys in play and again Austin Pope is out so the tight end position has been pointed out earlier I don't have a lot of expectations for it um, a lot of unknowns a lot of uh, inexperience but we will have to see. But we do know this is again, as Ben and I talked about, Austin Pope is what stirs the drink on offense. You know, wherever he's lined up is where you're running it. So you want to get 81 back into the fold as soon as you can. Now we come to the offensive line. We talked a little bit about Cade Mays. I mentioned where I think he'll he'll line up at. Uh, as of yesterday when we recorded that interview, as of today when I'm recording this podcast, Tuesday at about 10 a.m., Cade Mays is still not eligible by the SEC. Got his waiver 
granted by the NCAA, his appeal rather for that waiver to be granted by the NCAA, but now it comes down to the South, South, Southeastern Conference. I have Tourette's there, excuse me. <laughs> uh, Joey Gatewood, quarterback transferring from Auburn to Kentucky, still waiting on his appeal as well. So there are other guys kind of waiting around, just like Cade Mays from the SEC office. Jeremy Pruitt, we've heard countless times what he believes on it. Everyone, I mean, it's a free year, essentially, given the circumstances with the pandemic, eligibility's out the window, especially with Cade Mays and his situation about a toxic environment down in Georgia, the lawsuit going on with he and his family, noticing that when that lawsuit prohibited his father, or when that incident in Georgia prohibited his father from finding work or, or you know, stuff like that, there was a lawsuit that now incurred and how that would be a, a, an awkward place to play decides to come back home to Knoxville where his father lettered, where his younger brother Cooper Mays is on the ball, ball squad. Ball squad, that's a that's a weird phrase. Um, giving all that in there, I mean, it's easy to see why Cade Mays should be eligible this year, but still, as of Tuesday at 10 a.m. when I'm recording this podcast, Cade Mays has not gotten word back from the SEC office. I do believe he will, and I believe he'll be okay. I believe Joey Gatewood, Gatewood, Gateway will be okay as well. I believe everyone will be okay. Again, I'm kind of in the same line of thinking as Jeremy Pruitt. I think that 2020 is a year like none other. And so, and plus the the one-time transfer rule is coming. It is coming. Um, probably would have already happened without the pandemic. Let's be real. Um, but uh, it's coming, and it's going to be here probably before next season starts. So I expect that to be the case. If that is the case, and Cade Mays is eligible, here's what we're looking at on the offensive line, okay? Coming into camp, the talk was, the battle at right tackle between Darnell Wright, sophomore, former five-star, and Kron Calvert. Okay, Kron Calvert's very durable. He was kind of the sixth man last year, can play guard, can play tackle, can do a little bit of everything. Kron Calvert, one of many players, and especially one of a few on the offensive line, who's missed some time at practice during fall camp. Okay, so that was supposed to be the battle there at right tackle. Kron Calvert, Darnell Wright. Well, Kron Calvert's kind of taking himself out of it because – uh, to uh, you know, no fault of his own, he's he's not been able to practice a little bit, okay. And so now, if Cade Mays is eligible, and I don't know where the status is right now, I'm going to check. I'm going to check in the days to come. You know, probably tomorrow when I talk to my source, I'm going to check and see how that battle is going on right now. But at right tackle, if Cade Mays is eligible, and Tennessee still doesn't feel great about starting out Darnell Wright. Cade Mays is your right tackle. And I said it earlier with Ben. Cade Mays is your right tackle. If Darnell Wright has gained the trust from the coaches, and again, he, you know, both Wandy Morris and Darnell Wright were thrown into action as true freshmen in the SEC. You know, tall tasks to begin with. Okay. They held their own. They had some moments, but both struggled as true freshmen do, especially playing on the offensive line. Both battled some injuries. Darnell Wright really hobbled down the stretch last year. And so, you know, with all that considered, there was going to be a battle there in spring. K-Ron Calvert and Darnell Wright, and it was, uh, you know, spring was canceled. So that was supposed to, you know, follow over into fall camp. So, but if Darnell Wright is starting out Saturday at right tackle, and Cade Mays is eligible, Cade Mays is your right guard, okay? Brandon Kennedy, center. Trey Smith, left guard. Jameer Johnson is going to be your starting left tackle game one. All right? Wanya Morris... Jeremy Pruitt revealed, and we had we had heard whispers about it, but Jeremy Pruitt confirmed, rather, on Thursday that Wanya Morris practiced for only the second time in 23 practice in 23 days on Thursday. Wanya Morris had been quarantined twice. That is unfortunate. One of a few players who have been not only in quarantine, 
there's been many players in quarantine, but not only in quarantine, but quarantine twice. So Wanya Morris is your starting left tackle, but he's not going to start on Saturday. Jeremy Pruitt said, you know, when we're when referring to Wanya Morris and Aubrey Solomon, who I'll get to in a minute on the defensive line, got those guys back in practice last week. He said, I'd like to get them some snaps on Saturday. We'll have to, to see how many, uh, you know, judging on how they practice next week, which is which is now. But if you miss 21 days and you only, you know, 21 of the 23 days, you're not going to be ready to start and play significant time. Okay. So, uh, Jameer Johnson, who's had a strong camp, who's put on weight, who's holding weight at around 300 pounds. He Ben said he's well over 300 pounds. He's not well over 300 pounds, but he is three bills and he's holding it, which is good. Okay. And so Jameer Johnson is going to be your starting left tackle come South Carolina. But keep in mind the offensive line that Jim Chaney, Will Friend, and Jeremy Pruitt want, the offensive line that they're trying to work to get to, hopefully sooner than later, they might not ever get there, but the offensive line that Tennessee wants at some point is left to right, Wanya Morris, Trey Smith, Brandon Kennedy, Cade Mays, Darnell Wright. They're going to continue to work to get there, to get their guys ready, hopefully stay out of quarantine, hopefully stay injury-free, and that's the line they want. If Cade Mays is not eligible, Jameer Johnson's most likely going to be your right guard. Again, Karon Calvert's still in the fold, but he missed some time, okay? Your backup center is Jerome Carvin. Javante Spragans, James Robinson are freshman offensive linemen that's, that have gotten a lot of run. A lot of good things have been said about them, but uh, they're still freshmen. They're, uh, they're probably not going to play a huge factor this year. But again, Tennessee has so much depth. Riley Locklear is a little banged up right now, but he's still there and still will be in the fold. Karon Calvert will still be there, still be in the fold. Tennessee has so many options now, so many names, whereas two years ago you definitely didn't have it. Last year you didn't trust them, and now you've got names, you've got experience, you've got guys that know the plays. And so Tennessee's offensive line is still going to be good, but if it ever gets to that Morris, Smith, Kennedy, Mays, Wright combination, then Tennessee's offensive line is going to be great, in my opinion. Let's move on. Again, I mentioned a couple other things with with Ben about Cooper Mays and the jumbo set earlier. I go back and check that out if you like. All right, quickly moving on. I know we're, we're kind of running up against it. Defensive line, not a lot of physicality. Ben talked about it earlier. Not a lot of physicality during camp. That's been a that's been a that's been a concern. But Tennessee returns all of its defensive linemen from last year that played, and that defensive line improved greatly and turned out to be one of the better units for Tennessee by season's end. Led by Jarrell Middleton, Aubrey Solomon, and uh, Greg Emerson. Clark Garland played a factor in there as well. John Mincy, Matthew Butler, Latrell Bumpus, those two guys that I just mentioned lastly, Latrell Bumpus and and, and um, Matthew Butler, probably have had the two most consistent camps so far. Uh, Elijah Simmons is going to play some. Clark Garland, I can't remember if I mentioned him already. Amore uh, Thomas has got to get ready to play, according to Derek Anthony yesterday when speaking to the Knoxville Quarterback Club. All those guys I just mentioned. They're going to play. Tennessee's going to play non-defensive linemen on Saturday. It is a position that rotates in and out. It's a position that rotated in and out a whole lot last year. The same is going to be said for this year as well. Not This is not going to be like Jeremy Pruitt's first season back in 2018 where you played five defensive linemen. No. No. There's going to be nine guys that play consistently all year long. Market, boom. Strength in numbers. I preached that since back in March. I'll say it again. Tennessee's defensive line, strength in numbers. Let's move to the edge. Losing Daryl Taylor. Big loss. Okay, he's now playing in Seattle, second rounder. Kevon Bennett, your guy. DeAndre Johnson is going to be kind of the guy right under him. 
And uh, Tennessee hardly ever plays two edge players, two outside linebackers at one time. Why? Well, because, you know, a guy by the name of Sean Chamberger at the nickel position, or as Tennessee calls it, the star, Sean Chamberger plays over 90% of the snaps. So Tennessee's hardly ever in a straight 3-4 where there's two outside linebackers on the field together. Typically, there's only one edge player at one time. There's only one Daryl Taylor at one time. But if Tennessee were to go two outside linebackers starting out, I believe it would be Keevon Bennett and DeAndre Johnson. But Morvin Joseph, Roman Harrison, now a sophomore, has had a really good camp. Tyler Barron, they're gonna they're gonna be pushing, they're gonna be playing, they're gonna see some time as well. JJ Peterson is also in that fold as well at the outside linebacker position. Let's move inside. Henry Toltuo, we're good there. The other one, inexperience again. Inexper- I preached on this, guys. I mean, Tennessee returns eight of eleven starters, but the three the three starters you miss are, are big ones. You lose a second round draft pick and Daryl Taylor on the front side. In the middle, you lose Daniel Batuli, who led the, the team in tackles the last three years. And on the back end, you lose Nigel Warrior, who was an all-SEC safety. <laughs> so you return a lot of experience. Don't hear me wrong, but the three guys you lose, the three guys you're missing, well, they're, they're big impact players. All right? Colvera's Crouch is set to step up and play that position. All right? He and Jeremy Banks will probably have a share of it a little bit. Colvera's Crouch will get the bulk of the playing time. But Jeremy Banks, who's been welcomed back on the team, He's going to be playing that position as well. It's called the money position. It's the other inside linebacker spot. So aside from Henry Tuolotuo, you're going to see a lot of 27 and a lot of 33. That's Coveris Crouch and Jeremy Banks. Uh, both still learning to play that position. Coveris Crouch was an edge guy last year, played a little inside linebacker, played a little running back. Jeremy Banks played a little running back, played a little inside linebacker. Both of those guys have been moving around a little bit. Both of those guys very raw. Both of those guys just need reps, reps, reps. Jeremy Banks, when he had two interceptions against UTC, everybody was like, oh, there's the next great inside linebacker for Tennessee. He's athletic, and you're playing UTC. He made some plays, and give him credit, he made some plays, but just little things like you know running under blocks. At linebacker, you can't run under blocks. Not taking on the uh, the, the blockers and, and keeping you know keep your punch with your hands and keeping separation, just little things like that, and you'll learn. But that's what the linebackers look like cornerbacks well you're pretty good there you got Alante Taylor Bryce Thompson Bryce Thompson's probably going to be a an all SEC player this year uh, backing those guys up Kenneth George Jr. Warren Burrell we've been there we've done that we know those guys uh, Keyshawn Lawrence freshman from Nashville also uh, factoring in a little bit of cornerback as well uh, strong safety this year is going to be Trayvon Flowers Trayvon Flowers moving from free to strong to replace Nigel Warrior Trayvon Flowers who Came in with Bryce Thompson and Alante Taylor, played alongside those guys as true freshmen in 2018, but broke his collarbone midway through that year. Last year, was playing, was playing, was playing, broke his leg third game of the season. Trayvon Flowers is a player, and I've heard a lot of great things about him. I've spoke with uh, his trainer down in Atlanta, Georgia, a lot of good things to say about Trayvon Flowers. I've heard good things out of camp about Trayvon Flowers. Derek Ansley confirmed yesterday with the quarterback's club that Trayvon Flowers will start at strong safety. So I'm looking for a big year out of, out of Trayvon Flowers. At free safety, a little con, little little puzzling there from Derek Ansley yesterday with the uh, Knoxville Quarterbacks Club. He said at the other position, we're trying to figure it out a little bit. It's either going to be at free safety, Jalen McCullough, or Theo Jackson. And that's fine. Maybe Jalen McCullough's struggling a little bit. Maybe Jalen McCullough's missed some practice time. I don't have the answer to that, again, because I hear some things. I don't hear everything, and I'm not there. None of us are there, so we don't know for sure. But Derek Ansley said that they're still trying to figure out that other position. So that leads me to believe that Jalen McCullough's missed some practice time or maybe he's really struggling, probably the, probably the former. And Theo Jackson's great. He's a great depth piece to have, but that's Jalen McCullough's position. 
he's going to play. He he took over for Theo Jackson midway through last year and really kind of came on. Many are predicting him to break out this year as a, as a super sophomore. So we'll have to see. Sounds like he is available. You'll probably see both of those guys. But I believe when it, you know sooner or later, that's Jalen McCullough's spot for sure. Might just not be snap one on Saturday from comments from Derek Ansley earlier on Monday. A little confusing. Sean Schamberger will be the nickel or the star. Uh, Keyshawn Lawrence will back him up as well, as will Danico Slaughter, uh, two freshmen that I mentioned in the ladder right there. So that's kind of what I believe is going to happen Saturday, snap number one against South Carolina. That's, that's who the players are that are going to play. Again, you're going to see a lot of players play. Again, why? Well, because a lot of players missed a lot of time during fall camp due to contact tracing. A lot of players miss so much time to where they're you know they normally would be playing a lot more and they're probably not going to be playing a lot this Saturday because they just missed so many practices but they will be playing week two if you catch my drift this game is going to be sloppy this game is going to be ugly there's going to be turnovers there's going to be missed tackles why because again Tennessee a big portion of the roster missed so much practice time due to contact tracing and active COVID cases. And that's going to be the theme of 2020. You've already seen a couple of games moved last week, this week, due to you know Coastal Carolina didn't have enough tight ends to play. One guy gets COVID, it knocks out that entire room due to contact tracing, didn't have enough tight ends to play. Uh, one team didn't have enough offensive linemen to play. That, that's the thing here for 2020. The SEC's kind of come out and put out guidelines saying you have to at least have 53 players to play and you at least have to have one center, four defensive backs, and something else. So that's kind of where we're at right now. There's going to be a lot of players. Jeremy Pruitt said, <laughs> I asked Jeremy Pruitt yesterday, and this is a typical I'm going to dance around your question and not answer it response from Jeremy Pruitt. I said, hey, I said Jeremy, how are the outside linebackers progressing so far here in camp, and, and do you expect – there to be a lot of players that play that position. And he said, essentially, you know, he he danced around it for a minute. Then he said, we're going to travel 70 players. We're going to play 70 guys. So point being, Tennessee's going to play a lot of players. And the starting lineups that you see on Saturday might not be the – will probably not be the starting lineups you see week two. I'm telling you, look at the offensive line right there. Jameer Johnson's going to start at left tackle. He's at a great camp. But if Wanya Morris is back and healthy and in the loop of things, it's, that's Wanya Morris's spot. Okay, so that's just one example, probably a couple. So that's what I think is going to be happening come Saturday, come snap number one. Excited to see how it plays out. I really am. Real quick before I go, South Carolina has a new starting quarterback, not Ryan Helinski. It's a guy by the name of Colin Hill. Colin Hill came from Colorado State. Colin Hill came with Mike Bobo, who came to South Carolina this year as the offensive coordinator. Jeremy Pruitt had some comments to say about Colin Hill. Here's what Jeremy Pruitt said about the South Carolina starting quarterback. Hill will do – he's a guy that's been in the system there uh, for five years. This might be a sixth year. Uh, so he's a guy that's going to be very familiar. He's going to get them in and out of checks, uh, keep them out of bad plays. So it's a guy that we've got to find a way to, to create confusion and, and, and try to possibly create some turnovers. As the week goes on, I'm going to dive deep dive into South Carolina on that Mike Bobo offense on Colin Hill. I know Colin Hill's numbers. He's never been a huge standout guy. He's played well, but the thing about Colin Hill is he's coming off his third ACL tear and giving it a go again. So just the fact that he's back and playing and has a starting position in Division One football in the SEC after three ACL tears, job well done, Colin Hill. That's a hell of a story. Uh, excited to see you play on Saturday and excited to see how your season turns out. So 
will continue to dive into South Carolina. I will be writing blogs again. My mailbag, tweet me in, DM me. I tweeted out this morning, earlier Tuesday morning, and also Facebooked it on my personal Facebook and on my radio Facebook. said, hey, send me your questions. Let me know what your questions are. I'm going to write a mailbag article later in the week, probably on Friday at 991thesportsanimal.com. Of course, I'll share it answering these questions. So if you have any questions about anything I said today, any of the positions, any of the personnel, anything about South Carolina, reply to that tweet, DM me, reply to that Facebook post, ask me your question. I will answer it come Friday. Guys, I appreciate you as always. Looking forward to it. It is game week. Congratulations. I know you are super excited I am too. Glad to have something to cover and something to talk about. So uh, until next week, have a great rest of your week, everybody. You've been listening to another episode of PTF, producing the facts podcast with Knoxville host, Eric Kane. Follow the show on Twitter at underscore Kaner. And be sure to subscribe to Producing the Facts podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and tune in. It's PTF, your sports hookup.